We open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, and we're looking at verses 13 to 15. We will look at the verses that follow, but I'm, I'm ending on verse 15 because the question Christ asked that I want to give as an emphasis for him to be asking you today how you will respond to it. Perhaps for the first time, if not uh, again, as always, we are to be growing. We are to always be converting and be conforming more to the image of Christ. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 15, with an emphasis on the question at the end of verse 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. Pardon me, I'm actually one page wrong. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And notice in the verse 13 he says, Who do men say that I am? What are people saying about us? And they give an answer, uh, but it's not as close as Jesus wants to go with it. And he asks the question more directly, who do you say that I am? And that's what we want to focus on today. Verse 15, but whom say ye that I am? Well, we're going to this text today as a special request. Uh, Rachel asked for it, inspired by our reading of this text on Wednesday night this week. Uh, when we studied uh, Church Censors or Discipline, Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 30, we saw that Christ is king and head of his church, and he rules his church as he wishes through a, uh, the version of government as revealed in Scripture. And he is king, we bow to him. And we, we turned to this text and looked ahead at Matthew 18 as well. But I happened to say off the cuff as I was reading the text, verse 15, Who do you say that I am? And uh, I said, that's a sermon. I'm going to be careful not to start preaching on that. But Rachel was uh, inspired by that. Would, could we have a sermon on that? We'll have another uh, sermon request this evening. I'm happy to preach on it. And uh, we bring this to you today with that question. Let me ask you this. If you were asked one vital question about life, and your answer was so important that your whole life depended on it, your eternal destiny hung on the balance of your reply. If you are correct, you get on a plane and you go up into the clouds on a trip to paradise. If you are wrong with your answer, you are dropped through a trapdoor into a pit of fire. You would want to get it right. For sake of illustration, you can think of it as a, a less significant situation, but perhaps one we would take too far more seriously if we were at some kind of game show uh, a couple hours up north, and we had the opportunity to win a lot of money or win something important, and it had everything to do with if we got the answer right. One answer, right or wrong, you win or you lose. What if it has to do with everything, eternity, for you? Well, I'm about to ask you that question. Who is Jesus to you? 
I ask that of the adults. I ask that of the children. Who is Jesus to you? First ask, who is Jesus? Who would people say that I am? But then he goes really where he wants to go with the first question that he's setting up the second. Who am I to you, Jesus says. Jesus says to you in your midst at this moment, as he walks in the midst of the golden candle, who am I to you? Jesus will have everyone answer him about who he is to themselves. I give that to you as the main idea of these verses together. Jesus will have everyone answer him about who he is to themselves. In verse 13, again, he begins broadly. What are men saying? What are, what's everybody saying about me and who I am out there? In verse 14, they, they answer vaguely. They answer generally. Oh, some say John the Baptist, maybe Jeremiah, maybe one of the Old Testament prophets. Really? Nobody is saying I'm the Messiah? Well, that was the problem for so many, wasn't it? Nobody really understands who I am because all of they were pointing to me, preparing the way for me. So he wants to go closer. He wants to drive the point of his first question closer to home. What I'm really getting at, essentially, who am I really, and do you say so, and do you say so for yourself? What are each of you saying? He's talking to his own disciples. Get the answer right and serve Jesus all your life, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He got the answer right, and so in verses 17 to 18, Jesus affirms him. And though he will have his stumblings along the way, Jesus affirms him that he'll work through him because he knows who Jesus is for himself. And so he's serving Jesus. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the son of the living God. And he would ask you today, do you recognize this? And do you know him as who he truly is for yourself? Do you know Jesus for yourself as the Christ? Do you know Jesus for yourself as the Son of the living God? Now Peter's answer tracks with Jesus' hint of the answer in his question in verse 13. Like any good teacher, he's kind of setting us up with what he asks to give us the answer ahead of time for those who are listening, to draw out of us what we should know. Who do you say that the Son of Man is? When Peter says, you are the Christ, he is connecting what Jesus has already said, the Son of Man, because both terms mean he is the Messiah. The one spoken of, as you just sang in Psalm 2, the Anointed One, the God-Man, come from heaven, taken on humanity to save humanity and bring the dominion of the kingdom of God on this earth back, taking it away from Satan, lost in the first Adam. Peter's recognizing, you're the Christ, yes, as you speak about yourself as the Son of Man. Yes, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And the Hebrew word uh, Messiah uh, is what we have transliterated in the Greek as we see it reflected in the New Testament English, the Christ. The Christ. It's a title, really. 
it's not a name so much as a title, that he is the mediatorial prophet, that Jesus is the mediatorial priest, that Jesus is the mediatorial king, saving his people from their sins. He's the only mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. He is the son of man. This is Christ's favorite self-reference. He calls himself son of man all the time, as Peter recognizes and calls him in a, in a different way by response, yes, you are the Christ, but son of man is a messianic title. Henry uh, Lockyer, uh, excuse me, I think I'm forgetting his name right, I have, I have it later, I should have put it at the beginning of the notes, um, Herman Herbert, excuse me, Herbert Lockyer, pardon me, I know I had that wrong, Herbert Lockyer, uh, he explains in his book about the divine titles of God in the Bible, the names and titles, he has a whole section on divine titles and names of Christ, and I'd like to share a number of his insights today, they're a bit lengthy, but I had to pass it on to you, I think they're incredible to draw out what's happening here, what Jesus is making sure you know to say about him for yourself, therefore what it will say about you, and uh, Herbert Lockyer says this about this title, the Son of Man, that Christ calls himself, first of all. He says this title, Son of Man, is the title of Christ. It occurs 89 times in the New Testament. 85 of those references are to be found in the four Gospels, where it is directly, and in the Gospels, only applied to Christ by himself. Outside of the Gospels, Stephen saw him in glory as, quote, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Acts chapter 7, 56. It, the name Son of Man, is only used once in the epistles, namely in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6, as a quotation of Psalm 8. I almost switched to sing Psalm 8 this morning. You want to recognize we sing it a lot because of the bookends of glorifying God with a childlike faith. Verse 2 quoted in Matthew 21, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants thou hath ordained praise. But Psalm 8 is actually quoted twice in Hebrews 2. Or excuse me, quoted of Christ in Hebrews 2 as a messianic reference. And he'll give us a lot of insight in that. But he says also in Revelation, John applies this title, Son of Man, to Christ to the glorified Lord in Revelation 1, 13 and 14, 14. By the way, feel free to take notes, but I know I'm going through a lot. I'd be happy to email this to you if you want a lot of the references. I'm wanting to impress you with all the details. I don't expect you to keep them all, jot down what you like. I'm not asking you to stop taking notes, but I'm not going to go probably slow enough for you to get all the details. Feel free. I'd be happy to email it to you if you'd like them. I know some of you like to get all the details. He goes on to say this, it occurs, Son of Man occurs most often in the Old Testament. Psalm 8, verse 4, we've referenced Psalm 80, verse 17, says the reference of Son of Man in Psalm 8 relates to the dominion of the earth. As the possessor of it, heir of all things, in virtue of which all things are to be put under his feet. Hebrews 2, verse 8 and 9, quoting this reference. The scene in Psalm 8 in, is this important messianic psalm is that of a reign, universal in extent and granted in character. For here we have the earthy glory which Messiah takes 
as the Son of Man, and which is a reign we are to share, Ephesians 1.11. The designed Son of Man means Son of Adam, Lockyer goes on to explain, that it was, quote, the first man, Adam, that dominion was given over the works of the Creator. Create, uh, the works of the Creator, yeah. Uh, Genesis 1.26. Through the fall, however, this dominion was forfeited and lost. Hence, all the chaos and conflicts between men and nations, which must continue until he comes, whose right it is to rule in the earth. He references Ezekiel 21.27, and it seems that he's quoting Bullinger here. Uh, it looks like there's a quote, end quote missing, but it, it seems to be from an earlier reference in an opening quote, just to give credit where it's due. Uh, it seems he's quoting Bullinger here. Then he goes on to explain this. The last Adam, the son of man, returns to take over world dominion, which he has ever been in the councils of God. Ezekiel and Daniel also use the terms prophetically of Christ regularly, and especially in Daniel, there's some really significant references. A lot of times, Son of Man is referring to Ezekiel or Daniel, but sometimes it's a messianic reference. I want you to see how Daniel 7.13 is quoted in Matthew, since we're nearby. Turn with me to chapter 24, verse 30. We'll come back to our text. Keep it marked, please. Matthew 24, verse 30. And actually, I, by mistake, turned to Matthew 25 and notice verse 31, and I'm going to take us there later. <laughs> by God's providence. Uh, my mistake, by God's providence. Matthew 24, verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This is a really important verse uh, that's referencing Daniel uh, 7.13. Uh, look with me also to 26. Well, before we get there, 25.31. Look what Jesus says at 25.31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Now look ahead with me to 26, 64. Matthew 26, 64. Now notice, he's asked, are you the Christ, the Son of God? In verse 63, he's, in, he's on trial now. But notice he gives an oath here. Uh, he gives a testimony. And uh, I actually have this verse as a whole message in the sermon, excuse me, in the lecture series on Revelation. You might remember as given by uh, my pastor, Professor Dr. Edward Robson, as this is a, a very important scripture to explain Revelation and end times things. And uh, he would point out that it relates to Daniel. Uh, 7, but also to Psalm 110. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Yes, I am the Son of God. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. 
how you can see why it's so important who you say that I am. They were asking him, are you? But they're mocking, they're actually trying to uh, criticize him and kill him for suggesting that he is, because it means he's the son of God, which would be blasphemy, unless he is, but he is. So back to our text, who do you say that I am? Uh, who is the son of man, referencing himself, a hint that he's the Messiah? G Peter picking up on that, you are the Christ. But also, what does Peter say? You are the son of the living God. Come back with me to chapter 16. We see that in verse 15. Uh, you are the son, you are, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. We want to think about this. We think about the Son of Man. We want to think about that as the Messianic title, but we also want to think about the Son of the Living God. Notice the word living. And I, I really appreciate what Lockyer draws to our attention here that I, I didn't notice as much when I preached through the Gospel of Matthew. I want to share it with you now. So Herbert Lockyer uh, shares this about what is it talking about when we talk about when Jesus, when Peter confesses and Jesus affirms, he's the Son of the Living God. Lockyer says this, What impresses us about this designation is the term living. It implies that the essential and eternal life of God was in his Son. That is, in contrast to the names of the dead prophets Jesus was thought to represent that they're mentioning. He was the son of the living God. The term living was given to him by Paul in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 9 as the true God to distinguish him from lifeless idols. And as we know from the Psalms, idols, they can't talk, they can't breathe, they're not real, which means ultimately they can't do anything for Lockyer goes on to say, the term living was given, oh, excuse me, uh, Lockyer goes on to say this, uh, he is the source of life. In his noble confession, Peter not only expressed his belief that Jesus was the long-expected Messiah, the Christ, the Son of Man, but also in his belief in his deity as the Son of God and as the personification of him who is the creator and the controller of Life. What is your answer? Who do you say that I am? Is he the son of the living God? That has to do with whether you will have everlasting life or not. And you have it only through him as the Christ, the Messiah. Further, Lockyer compares son of God with son of man both being used here to answer the question for your answer today as you would confess him and commit your life to him. Number one, think of comparing and contrasting Son of God and Son of Man. As the Son of God, Lockyer explains, Christ is heir of all things and invested with all power. Matthew 28, 18, Hebrews 1, verse 2. As the son of man, earthly relationships and dominion over the earth are uttermost. Hebrews 2, verse 2 and 9, referring to Psalm 8, verses 1 to 8. Ephesians 1, verse 11. Number two, as the son of God, he has life 
and power to communicate that life both physically and spiritually. John 5, verses 25 and 26. John 17, verses 1 and 2. As the Son of Man, all authority to execute judgment is given him by the Father. John 5, 27, Acts 17, 31. And number three, the last comparison he gives, as the Son of God, he has a claim to deity or equality with God. Matthew eleven twenty seven to 30. As the Son of Man... He will come in glory to Israel and to the Gentiles on earth when he comes to rule. Matthew 13, 41 and 24, 30 and 25, 31. Those last ones we looked at together. Further, Lockyer explains what Jesus emphasizes about himself as son of man. Because he's coming as son of man in our humanity to rule over mankind on the earth. He says this, under this self-designation as son of man, Christ asserts for himself, number one, power over the religious ordinances of Israel. Mark 2, verse 28. Number two, divine prerogative of forgiving sins. Mark 2, verse 10. These are the things he says about himself when he uses the title son of man. Number three, Son of man has a career of suffering, betrayal, and death. Mark 9, 31, 10, 33, 14, 21. The son of man, number four, will have resurrection, or we should say has, on this the Lord's day, has resurrection from the grave. Mark 10, 34. Again, he's the resurrection we studied last week. In him we have resurrection, a resurrection of our humanity. And number six, uh, or no, excuse me, as number five, as the Son of Man, Christ has ascension to the right hand of power. Mark 14, 62. Lastly, number six, as the Son of Man, Lockyer explains, Christ has uh, the truth that he will return in great power and glory. Mark 8, 38. And 1326. He also says this. As employed by Jesus, Son of Man not only expressed his personal qualities as a man, but identified him with the humanity he came to redeem. And then, of course, rule. But related to the question that Jesus asks in this text, very helpful, all of this, but there's something else that Lockyer brings up as interesting when he quotes Dr. James Stalker. Stalker says this, when Jesus says son of man about himself, it was a subtle title in terms of that not everyone would pick up on it. Actually, those are not his words. Those are mine summarizing. When Jesus says the son of man, it's, it's a subtle term. He says it all the time elsewhere. It's a bit subtle. Everyone's not going to pick up on it. So the question is, will you pick up on it? Now, quoting Stalker, the source, Lockyer, it did not, Son of Man, did not convey a messianic claim to the public ear. Matthew 16, 13, John 13, 31. That he was the Son of Man did not evidently mean for all that he claimed to be the Messiah. Not that he isn't, 
but he's only received and acknowledged to be the Messiah by some who will answer with the right answer for themselves. So the question is, does his reference to himself as the Son of Man, the Christ, do you pick up on it? Does it mean what it means for you? Are you his disciples? That's what he asked his disciples in this text. So, beloved, what do you say about Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is? Do you recognize and receive him for yourself in his true identity to recreate your own identity? as new creatures. Have you recognized and received Jesus for who he is for yourself? Hear this testimony of the witness to Christ in the Acts of the Apostles, or as they are rightly to be properly understood, the Acts of Christ through the Apostles. Acts 3, verse 26. Unto you... First, God, having raised up his son, Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. If Jesus is your Messiah, it will turn you away from your iniquities to the mercy of God in Christ and to live a new life according to his way. Acts chapter 4, 10 to 12 be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone, he's quoting Old Testament Psalm, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Acts chapter 5, verse 31. Him, Jesus, hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Acts 13, verse 23. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Love, let your response to Jesus be the same as Peter, not only in our text today, confessing him as the Son of Man, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God for yourself. May your confession also be that of Peter in John 6 as he responds to Jesus. Verses 66 to 69, when Jesus said a lot of other things about himself and the multitudes left him for it, he turns to the few still with him. About what, 12? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will he also go away? May your answer be the same here as the 
the answer of Peter in our text today. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Your response to who Jesus is for you will make all the difference. As you sang in Psalm 2 this morning, it's the difference of whether or not you will be busted to bits by him on judgment day or blessed by him for trusting in him, having bowed before him and kissed him and confessed for yourself that Jesus is your Lord. At the resurrection on judgment day, you will want to face Jesus who is the resurrection and the life, with all authority judge the quick and the dead, and not hear him say this to you. You answered wrongly. Ultimately about yourself. I am the Son of God, the living God. I am the Son of Man. I am the Messiah. But you didn't have me as the answer for yourself. Instead, at the great judgment day of the resurrection, you want this to come out of the mouth of Christ towards you. Good answer. You received and believed in me for yourself as your Messiah. You died to yourself and the world is God and you took me as the living God, the son of the living God. You took me as the only way to God. Good answer. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my father's house where I've been preparing a room for you. Well, I know I've read a lot of Herbert Lockyer's uh, stuff today. Thank you for bearing with it. I know you can handle it and I know you'll be blessed by it. Again, the book is all the divine names and titles in the Bible. And I, if you'll excuse me for a moment before I continue, I feel like I want to credit uh, Scott Alhammer, my good friend from college in Buffalo who came out for Fernanda's wedding and my wedding together. Uh, this is one of the few books I got off the shelves years ago when we left our apartment together in Buffalo, having graduated. Graduated college, he said, um, in that book, there's a chapter, the names and titles of God the Son. Now, you might remember I used this book a lot. I'm not sure how long ago, maybe about a year ago. And we went through many of the names of God. There's a series on our sermon audio page with all of those sermons. I hope one day to do a little booklet for us, maybe an outreach on the names of God. Uh, but there's also a whole chapter on the names and titles of Christ, the Son of God. And I wanted to try to read through it in preparation for the sermon. But it occurred to me to do so, I think it was Friday, if not Thursday, and I was all excited until I opened and discovered that the whole chapter was 187 pages. I'm going to do it, uh, Lord helping me, and uh, I hope to come to you with a series at some point on the names and titles of Christ. But naturally, I couldn't do that today. I hope I've given you a, an interest for such. For now... Let this be sufficient. 
Isaiah 9, verse 6, to inform you that you would respond to the question, who is Jesus for you? Now, I'm not saying who is Jesus, make him up to be whatever you want. I'm saying who is Jesus truly as he represents him to yourself, and is he that to you in terms of your response to him? He is. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. If you answer correctly to the question, that will be your blessed response forever. The Prince of Peace. Romans says we have peace with God now. How? Through Christ. Or, to inform you a little bit more, the angel of the Lord said to the shepherds tending their sheep by night in Luke 2 verse 11, referring to Isaiah, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. A little more from Locke here, if you'll excuse me. He says this, Universal judgment and authority to execute the same have been given to Jesus as the Son of Man. John 5.22, Acts 17.31. Yet... The Son of Man also came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark 10, Mark 10, 45. He goes on to say, I guess I should say, he goes on to ask you this question. All that in view, is it not comforting to you that Jesus has the sympathy of a common nature Hebrews 2, 14 to 18. And that he knew all about the trials and temptations common to man. And he proclaims himself in future glory, no less than the universal king, seated on the throne of judgment for the quick and the dead. Matthew 2, 25, 31, Mark 8, 38. Who is Jesus to you? Is he your king? Is he your Messiah? Do you know him, the son of the living God? You know, if you know who wins at the end, that's the right side to choose, right? And he is that. You'll be glad to have chosen him. Hebrews 13, 20. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. The question for you is, Psalm 23, verse 1. Can you say for yourself, the Lord is my Shepherd. Is he your saving Lord? The answer makes all the difference. So I ask you again. Or rather, Jesus Christ, the sin of Son of the Living God, says, Who am I to you? He's asking each of you right now, who am I to you? And he answers for John's gospel, 
I am the great I am. I am Yahweh. Or as he answers in Matthew with Peter, I am the son of man. I am the Christ. I am the son of the living God. But what will you say about it? What will you say about yourself about me? And will you live what you say? Will you submit to Jesus as your king, allowing him to govern you and your life and worship and living? Will you be found following him? More on that in tonight's sermon. For now, I ask you again, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, who is Jesus to you? Answer at this moment before him, while today is still the day of salvation. Who is Jesus to you? Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the Son of Man. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You are our great shepherd. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You are the resurrection and the life. You are Jesus, who has saved we, your people, from our sins. Lord, let us respond anew to you today, if not at first, like Peter, and confess you for, Lord, where else would we go for everything and for eternity? You alone have the words of life. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are our mediator between God and us. There is no other name under heaven by which we are saved but by you, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us follow you immediately. Let us live out our profession of you and what we profess about our response, about us in response to you. God helping us by your grace, for your glory, and for our own good and the good of others. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all your people said, Amen.